Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and the producer of Made in Ukraine Tech Startup Edition, a monthly podcast series on Ukrainian tech and IT startups and their efforts to go global. Today is Thursday, February 14th, 2019. Our guest for today's episode is Oleg Roginsky, who is the founder and CEO of a company by the name of People.ai. People.ai is a SaaS product that offers uh, business productivity software using artificial intelligence. And I'm sure Oleg will be able to tell you a lot more about it than I know. Welcome, Oleg. How are you? Thank you, Michael. I'm good. Good day today. Thanks so much for agreeing to uh, talk on our uh, podcast today. You're welcome. So I understand that you were born in Ukraine and you had your early education there. Can you tell our audience a little bit about that and then how you actually came to the U.S.? Yeah, absolutely. So I was born in Ukraine, a place that is now called Dnipro. Um, went to school there, high school, uh, middle school, all that stuff. Uh, I was lucky to uh, end up in an English-focused, kind of English-language-speaking high school that gave me my basic English skills, and but also showed me the possibility of um, kind of there's a chance to go abroad and study in foreign universities. And there were a few folks from my school that have kind of opened that path. And my English teacher was very focused on that. So thanks to her, I. Uh, I, I was able to spend some time on my last year of high school in the UK, in Kent, near Canterbury, uh, and uh, realized that I'm very curious about studying abroad. Uh, and so I came back to Ukraine and applied to a number of universities, and I was lucky to be selected for Boston University, uh, where I ended up going for my undergrad degree. And uh, what was the subject of your undergraduate degree? Uh, I came over uh, studying political science initially, but then I realized that uh, there's no much uh, future <laughs> for political science. And so I, uh, I ended up um, switching to economics and business. And so I ended up graduating with double major in political science and international relations and minor in economics. And when did you graduate from Boston University? Uh, 2007. 2007. So you came to the U.S. around 2003? 2002-2003, So what happened after uh, university? Uh, why didn't you stay in the Boston area? Um, it's called U.S. Visa and Immigration Policy. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I could not get an H-1B visa to stay in the U.S. And um, Canada was very nice to take me. I will never forget driving a U-Haul across Canadian border from Boston to Montreal in, Dece in December 20, 2007. Um, and uh, as I got to Canada, I was uh, lucky to find this startup called Einstein Technologies back in the day, which was one of the first machine learning companies out there back before machine learning was popular and, and kind of the hot thing. Um, and so I ended up working with a company for about four years. We ended up going public and then we sold the company private to OpenText. So I was lucky to see a whole movie of kind of small startup to a public company in the first four years of my career. And what were you doing for uh, that company? I started as a salesperson. I was uh, I was dialing, smiling and dialing, as they say, picking up the phone. And uh, this is pre-Facebook, pre-LinkedIn, pre-Twitter. Um, so you, you pull up this big, fat, uh, yellow pages book, 
uh, and find someone who wants to buy artificial intelligence. Yeah, I understand that I spent 20 years doing sales and marketing myself. How did you get to the company Lexalytics back in Boston? Uh, they, so by the time we sold uh, Einstein to OpenText, uh, we had built a piece of software that is able to take um, text and understand what's in it to some degree, kind of what, which category this text falls under, who are the people mentioned, etc. And one piece we couldn't do that customers were asking about was sentiment analysis. Tell me if this text is positive or negative and why is it positive or negative. And so Lexalytics at a time was kind of the premier uh, sentiment analysis provider that was providing on-premise kind of installed software. And I wanted to try it out. I knew there is a market for it. So I literally called, emailed the CEO of the company and uh, he responded. We started talking and ended up, jo ended up joining the company remotely from Montreal. Uh, but I was uh, I was working with them uh, for for about a year and a half after. And I understand one of the issues with Lexalytics was that the uh, product was fairly pricey. It was very pricey, and it was difficult to deploy, and it needed an engineering team. It was kind of classic enterprise server software. And so, as I was running sales and and and, and growth there, uh, I realized that people are looking for. A much simpler to use, but also kind of pay-as-you-go type of solution. And that's when this little thing called Amazon Web Services got started. Uh, and uh, we decided, me and a couple of my friends decided to start a company in sentiment analysis, but as an API, where you only pay for what you use. You don't need the servers. You just plug it in. And that's how my next company, Symmetria, got started. I launched it in 2011, uh, and it was a really good run until I sold it in 2014. I understand you sold it for about $10 million. Um, I can't comment on that. <laughs> so very successful, nevertheless. Uh, for a bootstrap company, it was a very good run. Um, I learned a lesson that uh, starting, um, starting a middleware company in a small niche market is probably not a good idea if you have aspirations to go public one day. It's just there is not enough oxygen in the market. But, uh, but it was, nevertheless, a really good run for the first try. So what happened next? How did you get to People AI? So um, after uh, Symantria, um, actually Lexalytics, my previous employer, acquired us, um, they uh, took care of my visa to the United States and asked me to move to Silicon Valley to represent them there because our biggest customers were in Silicon Valley, such as Salesforce.com. And uh, so I moved out, uh, spent about a year, handed off the business, and I was really curious to learn general machine learning, not specialized text processing machine learning. And so I started looking at ML companies and I ran across H2O. I was actually on the panel with their founder and CEO, Sri, uh, at one of the conferences. We clicked and I joined H2O as head of marketing and growth. Um, and I was there for almost a year uh, through a large conference for data scientists. But most of all, I continued kind of honing on my skills of taking very complex machine learning products and explaining them in very layman's terms. So that, that's my superpower, being able to explain how machine learning works to someone who doesn't know anything about it. Right. And can you explain a little bit about your current product with people.ai? I understand it's business productivity software in a very general sense, but you have some uh, bells and whistles in there which really kind of make it unique. 
so I, I'll actually, it's good that you start asking me uh, about my history prior to that because the reason why I started the company is rooted in, uh, is rooted 10 years before, in 2007 when I started with, uh, with Einstein Technologies. I'll never forget how, as I was running my own inside sales team, our chief operating officer literally grounded the whole team in 2007 for a week, locked us up in a conference room. It was really, it was really hot in there and told us to go and clean Salesforce. And so we were literally going record by record, contact by contact, account by account, and, and cleaning it for a week. That was a torture. And then when I was running Symantria, guess what I did? I took my head of marketing and sales, locked them up in a room, and, and told them to go clean Salesforce. At H2, I did the same thing. So when, uh, when I was thinking what I'm gonna do next, and this was actually an interesting episode, uh, a friend of mine who is, a, who is a founder of a very large startup met me in a coffee shop here in Soma in San Francisco and literally told me, I wanted to go and start a company right now and here is your first investment check. Uh, I didn't know what I'm going to start the company about. I started thinking about what, what are the most painful things I've ever done in my career. And then I realized that Salesforce hadn't changed between 2006 and 2016. Nothing changed, looks the same, works the same. You still need the hot conference room with a bunch of people manually cleaning it. Uh, and, uh, and so because of that, uh, I, uh, I realized there is a business to be built there. There is a business to be built around taking kind of a static system of intelligence, a system of record, which is Salesforce. It's, uh, it's kind of a filing cabinet where you store your mission critical information right. and making it more dynamic turning it into something that automatically aggregates all of the information and context from all the activities of all the participants of the business process. So basically all your email, your calendar, your phone activity, etc., makes sense out of it, automate Salesforce data entry, but also so by thus freeing up your time and making you more productive as a salesperson, but also aggregate all the data and use machine learning to understand how to make you even more effective, how to make sure you focus on exactly the right thing at every moment in time, how to make sure you're talking to the right customer, how to make sure you are, your behavioral pattern is something that can lead you to success, not failure nine months from now. So that's what People AI is about. So I understand that uh, to date you've raised about $37 million. Yeah. And it's a pretty impressive list of investors, including Lightspeed Ventures from Silicon Valley. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you, if you saw, but our Series B was done by Andreessen Horowitz, which is known to be the number one investor in the Valley. Right. Yeah, and Y Combinator, I wouldn't forget about them. They, they're the ones who made us um, get started in the right direction. How many people are in your company now, and uh, where are your offices? We are, we just crossed the 100 mark, uh, so we are over 100 people and uh, we have we have a number of offices right now. We have an office in San Francisco, our headquarters, we have a really uh, fast growing office in Los Angeles and uh, we have an office in Kiev, Ukraine that does some of our engineering as well as European kind of home base to support customers in those time zones to uh, provide local engineering air cover and, and kind of other operations that require to be in Europe. Can you uh, tell me how many customers you have at this point? Yeah, we have over 60 large enterprise customers. And can you give me an example of customers that you have? Uh, there's a number of customers on our website that, uh, that we can talk about. 
what is the top feature of your software? What, what have your customers come back and told you about the software that really clicks with them? Uh, that feature is freeing up one to two days per week for every salesperson they have. When you deploy DeepAI, we automate all of the mundane administrative tasks that every salesperson, customer success, marketing person is doing out there. And we make a machine do all the boring stuff so you can focus on being creative and, and doing what only a human can do. And by doing that, you literally get at least a day back on your calendar to go and, and, and be more productive. And so it sounds pretty basic, but when you go to someone like Palo Alto Networks, where there is over 2,000 salespeople, we're talking about 2,000 man days per week per, uh, on the calendar of, of, uh, of a customer times 50 weeks a year. I mean, these are hundreds of millions of dollars in potential productivity savings. And then on top of that, if you are able to make them even 10% more productive or more precise about what they're doing, give them more insight about to do the, on how to do the right thing, uh, you're talking about very significant impact on company, both top line and bottom line. I'd like to shift gears a little bit right now. Uh, what was the most significant challenge that you had in uh, starting up your various ventures? It depends on which uh, which venture was at a time. Actually, with the way I look at starting companies, it's kind, of, it's kind of like playing this Super Mario game. You get through a level and eventually you, you lose, but you learn how this level works. Next time, you go through the same level much faster because you know what are the what are the things that, what are the dangers that are waiting for you? And then you get into new territory and that's why it becomes harder. And so at Symantria, my biggest challenge was actually access to talent. No, Montreal is beautiful and great, but it's really hard to find people who have done it before, at least even once. I'm not even talking about five, ten times. Uh, and so building an experienced team was difficult at Montreal. Uh, at Symantria, uh, at, at, at People AI, the challenges are a bit different. We are lucky to have investors who have seen the movie hundreds of times over and help us not make the mistakes that others made. At, at People AI, the challenge was initially finding the right product market fit and kind of dialing it on. That's why I always had to speak with hundreds of potential customers to find it. But once it happened, the, the challenging thing is to actually keep the culture coherent and growing together with as, as, as the company is growing exponentially. I mean, just think about it. Exactly three years ago, it was just me. We are now over 100. So that kind of growth doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen easy and it doesn't happen naturally. This is kind of a supercharged rocket ship level growth where every crack in your, in your arm or whatever it is, is being under stress and you have to build it intelligently. You have to build the company intelligently, hire the right people to make sure they can survive the pressure. Oleg, we're almost out of time. I wanted to get your thoughts on behalf of some of the young Ukrainian tech entrepreneurs coming down the line. Advice would you give them about going global? Understanding their customer. What I see across a number of Ukrainian entrepreneurs, and I'm mostly talking about kind of enterprise-focused B2B companies that come out of Ukraine, uh, I'm seeing a common thread. They all think that they can get a list of potential customers, I don't know, spam, market to them, whatever is needed, get some sales, and it's going to scale. What really made a difference for people AI is being extremely thoughtful about 
every customer's needs, doing the homework, being very intelligent about how the product addresses the true needs and actually asking the hard questions like, do you really want this to your customer? And if not, that's okay. Tell me why. And I'll go and fix it and come back in three months with a better product. Uh, and so I find that entrepreneurs coming out of Ukraine are not comfortable asking the hard questions and really listening to the customer. So they have to learn a lot more about consultative selling. Absolutely. Consultative value selling, solution selling is where it's at. And uh, that's not something they teach in Ukrainian high schools. Oleg, we're out of time now, but I want to thank you for coming on today's episode of Made in Ukraine Tech Startup Edition. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure. We have been speaking with Oleg Rosinski, who is the founder and CEO of the company People.ai. And I'm Mike Burek, your host and the producer of Made in Ukraine Tech Startup Edition, a monthly podcast series about Ukrainian tech and IT startups and their efforts to go global. Until next time, that's all for now.